Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and things are moving rather quickly in the universe of humanity, and, uh, you know, it's astounding that, you know, 100 million Americans have already received the vaccination, uh, and that is thanks to, uh, I guess, we could go back to Trump, who was... Uh, you know, got his version of Fast and Furious with his uh, quick response vaccine, which is not a vaccine, but a biological agent that has been injected into a hundred million Americans. And, uh, and numerous people, I actually in contact with people who have gotten very ill, uh, from this. Uh, most of them have recovered. Uh, I do have information of people that have died within days afterwards, but of course, uh, if you were to go and listen to the fact checkers, they'll tell you, oh, well, there's no coin- that, that's just a coincidence, there's no connection between those deaths, a couple days after strong, healthy people get a vaccine, <laughs> or, or a shot, and then suddenly, especially the second shot, and then suddenly they, uh, they're dead. Uh, they didn't get run over by a truck. They didn't get shot. Uh, they just died of extreme, uh, reaction to the shot. Well, of course, that's not the threat. We know that there are going to be people that are dying from it, from anaphylactic shock and, and, uh, you know, people bleeding, uh, blood blisters, uh, bleeding in the mouth and different things because there's numerous different reactions that can come from, you know, millions of people receiving these vaccination-type shots. So anyway, that's going on, but they're covering that up. They're hiding it. We know that the reports are probably only one-tenth to one percent of the actual cases of severe reactions. And uh, with so many people in denial that, oh, it couldn't be the vaccination that this death came about, and they're... They're covering it up. They're just hiding it. But like I said, that is not the real danger. And we published, you know, at least in our The Science at PreparingYou.com, we we put up a website that connected you to actual studies that were being made that were showing the long-term possible effects. Now, we don't know what the long-term effects are because we haven't gone long-terms with those that were experimenting with the drug on, which is you. We will know long term what this has done to you, those of you who have gotten the shot. But I saw a video this morning, somebody in our network sent it to me, that was by Vernon Coleman. You can get a hold of uh, Vernon Coleman at vernoncoleman.com and vernoncoleman.org. And uh, he's a renowned scientist, at least he was, until he started coming out against the 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 hype of the pandemic and then suddenly he fell out of grace but he presents a fairly reasonable argument you can probably google him or you know use some search engine to find out uh who and where he is uh i shared uh, his video on facebook it'll probably get censored eventually but uh 
right now it seems to be going through to a lot of people. But uh, I, what I do a lot of times is I share it down in the comments rather than... <laughs> they miss it if you share it down in the comments. It takes them longer to find you. But uh, anyway, uh, he is concerned, and I was concerned from the beginning that... Uh, the symptoms you get, the flu-like symptoms you get after you get the vaccination is actually caused by your body reacting to uh, the replication of this viral, synthetic viral agent that they have injected into your muscle tissue. And your muscle tissue is replicating that synthetic viral biological agent in your muscle tissue, and it's going out into your bloodstream. And your body reacts to that and starts to eventually shut down tissues and attacks tissues that are replicating that synthetic biological agent that you injected or had somebody inject into your arm. And so you'll get, you know, stiffness and, uh, you'll, and, and maybe you'll get bruising and you, you can get a lot of different reactions to it. But the reality is, is that as you replicate that, you could actually shed those, um, biological agent viral containers that are being replicated in your cells. You could shed that to other people, which is why you know, chief scientific officer at Pfizer was saying that nobody who is pregnant, nobody who wants to become pregnant, or nobody who wants to impregnate uh, their spouse uh, should take this shot because it can be, those agents can be passed on in bodily fluids. Which is, is uh, I mean, that's what you're you're supposedly wearing masks to prevent the the virus from being passed on. The point is you may have to isolate yourself from people who get the shot, not just not take the shot. you may have to isolate yourself from people who get the shot, especially if they're showing any kind of fever or anything. You certainly should not be exchanging bodily fluids in any way. Because they can contaminate your body and your body will begin to replicate this same viral agent invented in a laboratory that they call a vaccination. So anyway, I'm saying that I hate to preface all these shows with those kinds of things, but I want people to understand that this is, this is possibly one of the most dangerous events in the history of mankind. We'll know in a couple of years. Uh, a lot of the long-term effects will be like uh, thickening of wall muscles and uh, the uh, smooth wall muscles of your heart, uh, effect to your liver, effects to other organs in your body, effect to, uh, of your ability to carry a child full term. All these things can be affected by that. And literally, they may be in the process. We don't know because they chose not to do the animal trials. Uh, of this new mRNA uh, uh, synthetic biological agent, they didn't they didn't do the animal trials, so they don't know what the long term effects are. They know that when they did previous animal trials with the similar type of synthetic vaccination, 
the animals became infertile or died or both. And, uh, and this is, these are just facts. People can say it's missing content, but, uh, if I put in all the content I have <laughs> or missing context, uh, the show would have to be like 20 hours long to get everything covered. But that's why we have the articles that are preparing you, the science, so you can look that up. And I could, I could make that, that article 10 times longer. There's so much more information coming out. But, uh, if you haven't figured it out by the time you get to the end of that <laughs> article and, uh, watched a few of the videos, then there's probably no hope for you. And uh, maybe the Darwin effect has to take place. One of the things that Dr. Uh, Coleman is concerned about is the fact that uh, the people who get the shots may become living laboratories of producing new contagions uh, because they will start to mutate in them because it's not going to keep you from getting any kind of flu virus. You will still be able to get the flu You'll still be able to get corona. You'll still be able to get corona-type viruses. You will still be able to replicate them. And you will still be able to spread them. And uh, the problem is, the more laboratories that you have, human laboratories that you have that is doing that, the more likelihood of mutations passing to other humans. If that becomes the case, you may not even want to nurse people who begin to become sick. You won't want to be around them. But uh, anyway, the it, you certainly don't want your children around. Right now, this virus doesn't really affect children, but we don't know what mutations might take place. And we don't know if the new strains that they will call them, they'll call them new strains of the flu virus, are not actually strains of the synthetic virus that is in you. Most people who are getting polio today in places like Syria and Uganda, are not getting wild virus polio. They're coming down with polio because of the vaccination. And we know that that is CDC data. The CDC states that most of these cases of polio in the world today are from the vaccination, not from the wild virus. And they can tell that from DNA samples from the victims. So the fact that they're publishing that is astounding. The fact that you're not hearing about it in the news medias that you look to <laughs> for information is not so surprising. It is uh, indicting of the news media that they're not telling you that. But that's that is one of my grave concerns is that this that we may be on the um, verge of one of the greatest holocausts in the history of mankind, the greatest genocides in the history of mankind. It may take a long time to have it come to fruition, but uh, we'll we'll have to see. The, the interesting thing is they did not do the uh, animal studies before that. Now, I'm not a big vaccination taker anyway. I've... I probably had more needles stuck in my arm than anybody I know when I was growing up. But I finally was cured of doctors when I was about 14 and just informed my parents I wasn't going anymore. And they allowed me not to go anymore. I I lapsed a few times since then <laughs> and went back to doctors much 
but it simply reaffirmed my uh, choice. Now, I'm not against doctors. There are plenty of medical things that doctors can do that are good. I I read an article this morning uh, that was uh, talking about some serious uh, doctors who were performing gallbladder surgeries. I mean, like bushel basket loads of gallbladders. He was removing them, unnecessary operations, time and time again, because that doctor genuinely believed that the gallbladder was the cause of most diseases in the human body, so we had to take it out. And eventually he was lost his medical license and removed from the hospital, and he's no longer doing that. But he thought what he was doing was good. It wasn't motivated. This is what the the doctors who removed him said. He wasn't motivated for financial reasons. He wasn't motivated for, uh, you know, any um, macabre reasons. He simply believed that the gallbladder was a bad thing and we had to get it out of people's bodies. So he had good intentions, but uh, was causing a bad result because the gallbladder is actually a value. Now, there is it is true that the gallbladder causes a lot of problems, but we live in this cause and effect universe. What is causing the gallbladder to cause a lot of problems? And, of course, a lot of those people who he had removed the gallbladder from were not having those problems, but he was... You know, he thought that was an ounce of prevention by removing it before they had those problems. Many of those problems are the result of diet, the things that we are eating. And, the, and we've known this for a long time. And we know now that uh, I shared with a lot of people on, on my Facebook page, uh, you know, about our use of seed oils over the last decades has increased and increased and increased, and a lot of medical problems have increased along with it. Now, these seed oils, you would normally consume by consuming the seeds, and that's fine, but the process of removing the seed oils from, you know, your your rape seeds and a lot of the other seeds that we get seed oils from, those processes may alter that oil so that oil now becomes toxic in our body. We don't, you don't eat you know, some ice cream with that oil in it and drop dead within a couple of days. (laughs) But eating it and eating it and eating it and eating it over a long period of time appears to be causing lots and lots of problems. And there is data out there. I wish I had the doctor's name or the... Actually, he's not really a doctor, I don't believe. He may have a doctorate, but uh, I don't believe he's a medical doctor. Uh, Although he could be. I don't know. That's he is basing his statements on research, and he's publishing. He's a writer and an investigative journalist, I think. So anyway, you can probably look up seed oils, good and bad, and find out more about that. Maybe we'll put more up at preparing you about that. We may already have some because I'm not the only one who contributes to that website. If you're not in the network, you should be in the network. If you have something to share, join the network, and eventually you'll be a given some access to preparing you so that you can put up important information and articles. And it's kind of the people's news, telling you everything that the media is not telling you. What is shocking is the amount of things that is deleted from the media. And like I said, I read this article that talked about, and I actually, I know it was a California doctor, and there are California doctors that I know of that were performing unnecessary operations and uh in a hospital where my father died and uh was killing people because of that 
uh, heart surgeries is what he was focusing on, bypass. And he was giving bypass to patient after patient that did not need it. And eventually he was found out. And he was found out actually because he had diagnosed a Catholic priest with uh, this heart problem, needed this bypass, and uh, the priest couldn't have the operation at that time. He put it off. He ended up moving to a place, I think, in Arizona, and then he went and was going to have it taken care of and went to another doctor who said, you don't have that problem. Who diagnosed you? And then he looked into it and looked into it farther and had the time to do so. And he found that uh, the amount of these operations that were taking place by this one doctor in this one hospital in Redmond, uh, Redding, I guess it was Redding, California, were phenomenal. And it ended up by going back and looking at his cases that he was performing unnecessary operations to a vast number of people. And uh, he was uh, eventually removed from medicine lost his license and removed from the hospital. So those kinds of things go on and it takes individuals who take the time to police this. This is one of the things about a lot of the information we share. A lot of people don't want to share it with somebody else. Oh, it's their choice, but they don't have the information. But oh, I don't want to get, you know, it's embarrassing to tell people this and they don't want to believe no matter what you say. They don't want to believe what you're saying. You still have a certain requirement to share that information, to expose the lie when it's taking place in the world. You cannot let the lie go unattended. Now, you have to do this carefully, but it is your responsibility. Because if if you find out that something's going to kill somebody, cause them... Uh, disease or problems, uh, medical problems, health problems, shorten their life, and you don't share that information with them, you're a co-conspirator. You're, you're aiding and abetting criminality. You're, you're partially guilty for their murder. So yeah, you have to expose the information that is killing other people or may kill other people. That is your obligation. When you see crimes being committed, you have to be a part of the hue and cry. And people aren't doing that. You know, because, you know, somebody, you know, my, my, my family might be upset. You know, they might not like it. My uh, friends may unfriend me on Facebook. So be it. You know, you have to be tactful. You have to be clever. Uh, You know, I've seen somebody recently on the network who evidently is not very tactful. He, he, you know, asks questions and makes accusations in the question without having any foreknowledge of what he's talking about. He assumes that somebody is doing something bad and, and accuses them in his very question. Common thing we see amongst, uh, people in, uh, the media today, but uh, not a good thing. And then he has no friends, no family, nobody, you know, no job, can't seem to get along with other people. Well, why is that personality trait so dominant in his life? So I asked him. I haven't got an answer back yet. 
<laughs> but I asked him. And why did I ask him? Because I want to bring his attention to the fact that there's something going on here that you may have some control over. That you may be doing something wrong. You may be. I don't know. And so I asked the question. Uh, and all conversations stopped when I asked the question. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was interesting. That it was, But maybe somebody is just inconveniently not being able to answer right away. But the reality is, is that, that if you're going to walk in truth, if you want to walk in the righteousness of God, you have to be walking in this ether of truth and exposure and be blunt sometimes and honest sometimes and ask the questions that other people are too embarrassed to ask because it's the only way to find the truth. This is what Christ was doing. Now, he admittedly had to start with parables. and uh, Now, he was giving instructions to the apostles. They were already coming out of the system of the world. They had not, or I shouldn't say coming out because they evidently had not signed up. They had kept themselves somewhat separate to begin with, which is why he had such a motley crew. They were, they were people who were already thinking outside the box, already listening to people like John the Baptist. You know, they weren't getting baptized down at the government temple. They were getting baptized by John the Baptist. They were getting to be a part of his network, which is probably an Essene network. And if you go back and you study the history, we have articles up on the Essenes. The Essenes were operating a system of social welfare entirely by charity. And uh, when I say Essenes, they weren't a homogeneous group. They were kind of a movement that had been around for hundreds of years where these people were taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And, uh, you know, they had different religious ideas and doctrinal ideas and theological ideas. But that was kind of core to them. That they gathered together in communities and would provide for the needy of their society through charity. And that was one of the ways they were keeping clean. Now, they had rituals of washing and baptizing. You know, that if they did something wrong, they repented and they went and washed up again. But that's not the essential thing. The ritual is not the essential thing. The the essential thing is that they were living not by force, but by charity. And we see the few words of John the Baptist. That's exactly what John the Baptist was preaching. And that's what people who got baptized by John the Baptist believed. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, anyway, uh, I'm kind of laying the groundwork for uh, some things that I was seeing in the news, etc. And getting feedback from people within the network and people that should be in the network. <laughs> and and I was seeing certain information passing here that I thought I'd bring to your attention. So, uh, in that article that uh, was talking about the guy with the gallbladders and everything they also pointed out that uh, uh, there's this uh, righteous fallacy where people think uh, you know it's what they also call the good intention fallacy is uh, rampant amongst politicians and they they had an article telling you why and and of course I knew that you know I've got a whole we got a whole page on the fallacies that we see constantly being used 
by the media to make arguments that are simply that fallacies. They're fallacious arguments. And to people who don't understand how to reason and logic things out, they they will fall for these, you know, straw men type articles and uh, uh, different uh, fallacies that come up. And this one, this righteousness fallacy, and I think that, like I said, it's also known as the good intention fallacy. And I, but I like the term righteousness fallacy because of the fact that that's what we're supposed to be seeking is the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And I just pointed out that John the Baptist, the critical thing in John the Baptist's uh, ministry was not that you get baptized with water, although you might think that if you go to the modern Christian church, oh, you got to get the baptism of water. That's really important because. John the Baptist himself said, I only baptize you with water. That doesn't mean anything. That's just water. You're just all wet. It doesn't do anything. There's nothing magical in the water. That's He's telling you that right there in that statement. But there's one that comes after me that baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now that's that's serious. Now, of course, Jesus wasn't going around with a flamethrower, so we have to take that metaphor into the context of what it might actually mean. But the critical thing in John the Baptist was until John the Baptist, everybody was trying to establish a utopia of heaven, a kingdom of the world, a new world order by force. You know, because when it says kingdom of heaven, that's kingdom of Oranos, and the best translation for the word Oranos, according to Greek scholars, is, you know, some of the top Greek scholars in the world, is the word world. That's the way that word heaven should be translated, Oranos should be translated. So when he's saying that the kingdom of the world was being established by force, and John the Baptist was going to do it through charity. That was the distinction between John the Baptist and most of the other churches and religions. And the one reason I'm bringing this up is I'm going to bring up N.T. Wright. And a new book that is put out by N.T. Wright, Simon uh, Gather Cole, and Robert Stewart. Called, What Did the cross accomplished a conversation about the atonement. Now I quote N.T. Wright in our study of Paul. I don't I don't put a lot of quotes in there from him, but he does say a few things. He's a very smart guy. Been around, you know Oxford. Uh, he's Anglican. Uh, he's a bishop, and uh, he he writes a lot. He's got a lot of books out there. They sell big. He published, when he publishes a book, he publishes it in England and the United States. And because he's gonna sell a lot of books. And I'm sure he, he's got a nice library, because I saw him in a video today, <laughs> talking in his library about the pandemic. And he makes a lot of good points. I, I quoted somebody else who was interviewed by, uh, was interviewed by Ben Shapiro and somebody just absolutely hated that interview and they, they made a terrible babbling and comment about the, the interview. And, uh, she's a professor at a college and she's arguing against the left. 
And I think she made a lot of good points. Do I agree with her on everything? No, I could sit down and talk with her, and I bet you she would even have the conversation. And she would probably even find agreement with me, but it's not the emphasis of that interview, as why the right can't stop the left, even with reason. is because the reason on the right is not fully reasonable. It has got its own fallacies on the right. And this, that's the same thing I see with N.T. Wright, is that he says a lot of things that are true, makes a lot of good points, but he's missing elements of reason. And God is reasonable. We just don't always see the reason. Because you don't see the reason of God's creation in this cause and effect universe doesn't mean that he isn't reasonable. I'm not suggesting that you can get to God by reason, but after you get to God by repentance and action, because those are both important. Jesus says you have to repent and seek. Seeking is the action word. You have to do that because that's part of the cause and effect universe in which God has created you. So, anyway, N.T. Wright misses some things. And I'm sure, I haven't read the book, it's just recently come out. Um, if somebody wants to send me a copy, I will get through it. But uh, I I struggled through uh, copies of other books that people send me. I don't buy books, uh, generally speaking. I mean, I used to get them in thrift stores for pennies. But... Uh, if if got somebody wants me to read it, they can. But I, and I'll do a show on it, <laughs> show you what they're missing, because this is it's, and I can probably guess what they're missing, which is why I mentioned N. T. Wright in uh, our our pages on Paul, which are also available but preparing you. In, in the pages on Paul, I write uh, you know this Anglican bishop N. T. Wright Nicholas Thomas Wright, I think is his name. But he always goes by N.T. Wright, although I've seen Thomas Wright a few times. But he says, Neither a systematic theology nor a summary of Paul's life work, but referring to Romans, because uh, he praises that particular epistle, but it is by common consent his masterpiece. It dwarfs most of his other writings. An alpine peak towering over the hills and villages. Not all onlookers have viewed it in the same light or from the same angle. And their snapshots and paintings of it are sometimes remarkably unlike. So there's, there's a wide range of interpretations of Paul's epistle to the Romans. Not all climbers have taken the same route up its sheer sides and there is frequent disagreements on the best approach. What nobody doubts is that we are here dealing with a work of massive substance presenting a formidable intellectual challenge while offering a break, breathtaking theological and spiritual vision. I noticed that uh, when I just read that on our page at Preparing You on Paul the Apostle, just look up Paul the Apostle and you can read that. I mean, we have, we go all through Romans and everything. 
I quote him because he has studied Paul in great detail. He has studied the epistles in great detail. He has studied the Bible in great detail. And he comes to some very good conclusions. But he also misses some things. And, you know, last week I gave the definition of a lie is simply not the whole truth. The best lies are full of truth. But they leave out something. And N.T. Wright seems to leave out something. None is topics of the pandemic he talks about you know uh, everybody wants to think which is fairly now he actually said in the video interview that this is a recent aberration that was actually partly because of the question of the interviewer but uh what he didn't share with (laughs) the, the question was saying this idea of you know, everything that bad happens is a result of sin. And somehow or other that, that uh, uh, you know, the COVID is a result of the fact that we've done some bad thing. And this is why we have this pandemic of COVID. And, uh, and he said, well, that's actually a recent view that's come in more modern Christianity in the last couple hundred years. Well, it have actually existed back at the time of the Bible because we see them bringing up the same topic in the Bible. So it isn't just a recent aberration. It's been around for a long time. <laughs> Certainly, I can, I can go back and I can read. So I don't know. And again, it was the prompting of the interviewer brought that up and he kind of agreed with them. And I would have disagreed with that. That's nonsense. People have been trying to blame everything bad that happens on God for a long time. <laughs> and the reality is, is uh, or blame it on us, the fact that we have, you know, gotten into idolatry. Well, actually, if you look at it correctly, the pandemic does not really exist as a pandemic. It, it really doesn't qualify as a pandemic unless, of course, you miscount the cases which, of course, is what they're doing. They told you they were going to miscount the cases because they were now going to count anybody who tested positive with a PCR test in the last 28 days and they die during that 28-day period. We're going to count that as a COVID death. Some places actually went 60 days from a PCR test. Some places actually counted as a COVID death because some of the symptoms were flu-like symptoms. N.T. Wright, he writes a lot of stuff about the Bible and, and some of his stuff is good, but he misses some stuff. And so it's absolutely essential to find out what he's missing in order to find out the whole truth. Because if you leave out part of the truth, you're stuck with a lie. And, of course, this is exactly what was going on with COVID, is that they were not telling you. uh, Actually, they did tell you, but people miss it. Uh, They didn't tell you on every news broadcast. They repeated the parts that, uh, without the whole truth, over and over again, that so many people are dying, hundreds of thousands of people are dying from this, and they actually were not dying. There's no real increase in the death toll. During this supposed pandemic, I can guarantee that if Ebola was running through America, that uh, you would see an increase in death toll. It doesn't run through America, not because of medicine, but because of plumbers. And because it hasn't really ever gotten a foothold here. It kills people so rapidly 
that they don't have a chance to spread it. And if they, if somebody gets it, we normally have the ability to isolate them. Now, the next pandemic that comes, you know, you can almost pray that when it comes, it, it, and it's going to, if it is one of these pandemics that actually is guaranteed to kill you, almost nobody dies of COVID, it, that they die quickly. Because the slower they die, the more people will be infected. This is what happened in Africa. People were taking care of them and uh, they were getting contaminated. Because that was a real pandemic when they had Ebola uh, traveling through their population. But uh, what I'm concerned with today and what we're going to be talking about the rest of the time is a pandemic of the mind. And it's spread by people like N.T. Wright and these other authors of these books. You know, what did the cross accomplish? Because they tell you a lot of truth, but they leave out some essential things, just like what we just talked about with John the Baptist. John, The, the key point in John the Baptist's ministry was that he said, make straight the way of the Lord. And he was saying it because at that particular time, People were not making straight the way of the Lord. So he needed to tell them to do that, to turn around, repent, think a different way. That's what repenting means and make straight the way of the Lord. So you would want to ask, what were they doing in Judea at that time that made the way of the Lord crooked or made strayed us from the way of the Lord? Well, Jesus tells you. The Corbin of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect. The Corbin is simply the word Hebrew word for sacrifice. The sacrifice of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect. How was it doing that? It was doing it because Herod had set up a system, this is a matter of history, where you sign up, you get baptized at the temple, and or at one of the synagogues, and they sign you up, you become a registered member of the social welfare system of the temple, you will have to now pay in a portion of everything you produce in a given year to the temple, small portion, into the temple, and it will fill the treasury of the temple which was not a temple yet, because now, but Herod had this huge influx of funds now, and so he built the temple, Herod built that temple, and he built the Temple of Roma with the same type of funds. If you signed up with the Temple of Roma, and you had to pay in, they had these funds coming in. And then they could take care of the blind, they could take care of the elderly, they could take care of the widows and the orphans, and the, the people on disability, they could take care of them because they had this guaranteed fund coming in on a regular basis. But it was by force now because you had to pay in because you had signed up. You had volunteered into the system. And that was making the word of God to none effect because it was no longer, Corbin was no longer a free will offering. It was a contractual obligation. And that was making the word of God to none effect. I haven't found N.T. Wright write anything about that. Say anything about that. Point anything out about that. If he was, he'd be canceled. (laughs) 
Guaranteed, he'd be canceled by a lot of people. So he doesn't mention that. But that was that's the critical point of John the Baptist. If you have extra, do it through charity. That's the critical part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have extra, share it. Even if you don't have extra, you may share it and suffer the loss. The widow, the widow's might, the whole story there. She did not give of her increase. She gave everything. You know, it was the only money she had. She may have had other resources, but she gave a penny because it was all she had to give. That was counted as great in the kingdom. She was going to be taken care of by Christians. She might have, you know, know, that was one of the things that they're now increasing the inheritance tax. They're going to rob widows and orphans even more now than they were already robbing them. And I don't see N.T. Wright writing anything about that. I don't think that's going to even be mentioned in what Christ accomplished by the cross. Now, what Christ accomplished by the cross is that he established a kingdom of God. He took it away from the Pharisees. He said he was going to take it away from the Pharisees. He said he was going to appoint it to his little flock, which was his apostles and the 70 and what eventually became the 120 in the upper room. And it was a legitimate kingdom recognized by Pontius Pilate, who wrote an official document that this is the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. And we know he appointed the apostles. And so, in in appointing the apostles, they now could operate under the protection even of Rome at first. Until all the leftists in Rome began to realize that there was a lot of people, including the Romans, who were leaving the system of social welfare through the Corbin of Rome, which was doing the same thing as Herod had done, and joining the system of Corbin of Christ. And now they were paying in, but with free will offerings, to the treasury of the church. But the church was smart enough not to put it in a single treasury where thieves and robbers could break in because Christ said, don't do that. That's not a good idea. Put it into circulation in the congregations of the people because see, Christ was creating a church that was bottom up, not top down. His ecclesia were forbidden to exercise authority one over the other. They could not force the offerings of the people like the Pharisees were with the Corbin of the Pharisees because that would be making the word of God to none effect. I don't see these theologians making that connection. But it's to me, it's so obvious. It just jumps right out at you. Which is why there's thousands of pages now going through this. You know, and uh, like the the radio show I do in the afternoon before, there's now a program that comes on before it that talks about Paul being a false apostle. And I address this, the, you know, the false claims uh, section on uh, under the contradictions of Paul on our page, you know, Paul the Apostle. 
and I go through a lot of these false claims. I went through and found false claims. I see there's several I haven't done yet. I need to go and finish those up. But I've got almost 20 of them there <laughs> and answer them <laughs> so that people can understand that Paul was right on the money. If you don't think Paul was right on the money, you don't understand Paul or you don't understand the gospel or you don't understand both. And I said that at the beginning of the show uh, last week. And uh, I noticed there were all kinds of people from that show, <laughs> uh, that previous show, uh, who stayed on the line and kept listening. So I hope I, I filled their ears with the truth, the rest of the story, so to speak. Somebody actually pointed that out. As a lot of time, I'm telling you the rest of the story, what they are leaving out. And we certainly have done that with the COVID thing. But it's more important that you do it with the gospel thing, that you put that in. And if, if you have, if you're a minister and you're preaching, what did the cross accomplish, which it established this kingdom of God, it established in law, that Jesus Christ was king, sealed it in his blood. And so therefore, when he appointed a kingdom to his disciples, which he says he's going to do and does, but says you cannot be like the governments of the Gentiles. They're a government. The church is still defined as one form of government. But as a government, is supposed to take care of the needy through faith, hope, and charity. If we were doing that, we would not have been primed to believe the lies that have been coming to us through the media. The fallacies that have been coming to us through the media. So back to this righteous fallacy, this good intention. In that article, they go on and explain an example of that. Uh, good intention fallacy in California, which is also going on today in the United States. And that's what we'll talk about at the beginning of the next hour. But then we will get more into the solution so that you can find out the truth and the whole truth. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, anyway, this idea of uh, this uh, righteous fallacy or this uh, good intention fallacy where somebody thinks that they're good. The example that they gave in the article is that in California, uh, they have a budget of 98.5 billion dollars annually on welfare, which is more than any other state in the United States, but has the highest poverty rate in America. Why is that? That they're, they're giving more and more, but they actually their poverty rate increases in a place where it should be going down. Their second point was the highest income tax rate in the U.S. Uh, for state. Uh, besides the federal tax, they add another 13.3% onto that. And yet they're the fourth, fourth greatest income equality in all 50 states. All their programs are actually causing the opposite effect of what they want. They have these supposed good intentions. Well, the third point that they made was it's the most regulated housing market and yet the highest homeless population in America. And it ranks 49th per capita in housing supply. So why is there so much homeless? Well, most of that homeless is in... Uh, 
the southern half of the state, although there's quite a bit in, in San Francisco, but uh, it's because partly because of the climate, but also because they've attracted, if you go amongst the homeless there, you'll find they're from all over the United States. Some of them are all over the world uh, because there isn't a, they have the weather <laughs> that allows for it, but they also have the social welfare programs that these people are all getting lots of money, paying no rent, living in a tent, which you can afford to do there. You wouldn't dare try it in Minnesota. And so they their problem is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And the fact is, is everything that they're doing in California, they're doing all over the United States to greater and greater degree, especially in these more leftist uh, states. And of course, that's exactly what was going on in Judea at the time of Herod. They were creating a welfare state. It's exactly why Rome fell. If you had studied the history of Rome, you would know it's the free bread and circuses of Rome that brought about its moral decay and its downfall. If you had studied Polybius 150 years before that free bread really got off the ground with Augustus well 100 years before Augustus but uh, you would know that when the people who develop an appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them by the rule of force degenerate society into perfect savages there's more to the quote you can go look up Polybius at preparing you we explain that just as Polybius explained it 150 years before Christ and John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is saying, no, you, you have to take care of the needy of your society in a way that strengthens them. That's what it says in the prophets, that you have to do it in a way that strengthens the poor, but you have to do it by charity. If you don't, you'll destroy your society, and California is just the canary in the coal mine. They're just showing you what's going to happen. But it's not slowing down the process in most of the United States. And these people who who try to say that Christianity is the answer, but then don't tell you the whole of Christianity are a part of the problem. Because they're not telling you the whole truth. Which is what I was talking about at the very beginning of the show. This is the theme of the show. Telling the whole truth... Or you're going to be telling a lie. To omit telling the whole truth makes you a liar. And you don't want to be a liar. Because a liar can't get into the kingdom of heaven. You will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So what is actually going on here? Why are politicians so subject to the good intention fallacy? It's because... Of power. You're centralizing power. Herod centralized power. Asking for a king way back in the days of, of Saul was centralizing power. And they asked for a king because they weren't taking on their responsibility. So this is, this is part of the message of Christ is that you have to take on your responsibility of taking care of the poor and the needy of your society. You have to take upon the responsibility of protecting those people who are attacked by thieves and robbers. You have to take on the responsibility of telling the truth. And of course, that's what we were going to get into, uh, except for all these other things that happened. I wanted to start with this and, uh, 
I, I'm putting together a series of programs to show you how you have been groomed by these policies of government that came down to you through these men who accepted a lie and propagated that lie and that somehow your salvation was in politics. People I've known for years have been, they've been thinking for the last couple of months that Trump's going to come back and suddenly save the day and they're still preaching that in places. But, you know, Trump is the one who created this vaccine. I mean, he obviously didn't do it himself. I don't believe that he understood what it was really doing and what it's going to really do. But he's going to go down in history as being blamed for it. But I know where the real causes were. It was all the people that were surrounding him and saying that, oh, you know, this, this, this. And it wasn't true. And he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it because he hasn't been really seeking the kingdom of God. He's got some good ideas about business and stuff like that. He might be noble in some ways. He certainly was shaking up the swamp. But he he wasn't he was still a part of the problem. And you thinking that he is the solution that he is if he come back we would be saved. You're part of the problem. Like the Ben Shapiro interview. Ben Shapiro says a lot of stuff that's true. He's, he's not far from the kingdom in many, many ways. But he just came out the other day in favor of forced vaccination of children with this new vaccine. Now, I believe that he will eventually change his tune. But you already got a 100 million Americans vaccinated with this biological agent. And while that was taking place, he was on the side of forced vaccination. Thought everybody should get it. He may have even gotten it already. I don't know. He's a pretty young guy. His wife works in a hospital. I don't know if she works there now, but she's a doctor. So just because a guy, I, I talk about somebody who has good ideas, doesn't mean I think all their ideas are good or that they're saying the whole truth. Truth is where you find it. The whole truth you only find in God and in Christ. And letting Christ in your heart, you should be able to see it. I don't know if N.T. Wright is going to figure it out. So far, I haven't heard him see that the social welfare system in England, the national insurance, I thought it was NIN. In Canada, it's called the... But anyway, it's called SIN in Canada. At least it was at one time. <laughs> so, but the reality is is that those programs are the Corbin of the Pharisees. It's what's weakening the people. It's what's blinding them. And see, politicians who you centralize power into, they are arrogantly autocratic and pridefully accept that their intention is good. But because of their vanity, which you feed with that power, this is why power corrupts, they are blinded to the results. They cannot figure out why they're getting bad results. They think, oh, we need more socialism. What did Albert Einstein say? To keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, is the definition of insanity. And that, so they think, you know, it's like the people saying, how's that capitalism working out for you? I heard a, one of the old weathermen saying that, who was working in the Obama administration, friend of Obama. 
thinking that all our problems today are because of capitalism. No, local storekeeper just recently was telling somebody that he believes in socialism. He thinks socialism is great. And so they asked him, what do you think socialism is? And he says, it's, it's, you have two cows and you share one. <laughs> he thinks that's socialism. <laughs> socialism is that you have two cows and somebody comes and takes it away from you. What was it? The Holobro? Is that what they call it? Holoboro? Uh, the uh, genocide in the Ukraine. The Kulaks had grain. They produced grain. They, it was the breadbasket of Russia and uh, of that whole section of what became the Soviet Union. And they had grain. And they they sold it and shared it on the market. But Stalin said, got to share more. That's socialism. He nationalized their farms. And they were killed by mobs and by the government and shipped off and exiled. And, and people starved. What was it? Seven to ten million people starved in one year. One year. Because socialism compelled... The contributions that they could not afford. They, they didn't even have seed grain. They couldn't even plant the next year when they tried to plant. The bodies were laying about in the fields. Laying about in the streets. That's socialism. It's the centralization of power. And it is the centralization of blindness. Because power corrupts. Socialism is not sharing. Christianity is sharing. Christianity is sharing through a network of sharing, not just locally in your little congregation. This is what the home churches don't get. This, they don't even understand what a church is. And I've been talking with them for years now. Some of them, they, they'll see certain parts, but they have this blind spot. And the blind spot is they don't want to see that they're wrong. Vanity. They don't want to see that you have to create a network of charity. In order for the Holy Spirit to come in and light the way. So anyway, I'm I'm going through a whole grooming uh, article, and uh, I've added to our article on uh, not inherit the kingdom. You know, Paul was saying, you know, that people arguing that the law is done away with, including the Ten Commandments. We don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. We're saved by faith, because Paul says we're saved by faith, and so they think I have faith. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus is God. I believe in the Trinity. I have faith. So therefore I am saved. Fallacy. False logic. <laughs> it simply does not work that way. And so, you know, if you go down, Paul says, and it goes through big long lists. In, in Corinthians, and Galatians, big long list of people who cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminates, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, covetous, people who desire benefits at the expense of their neighbor through men who exercise authority one over the other and call themselves benefactors. Those people who have become accustomed to eating at the expense of others. Those people who have been desirous of the dainties of rulers. 
they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They will inherit death. Revilers, extortioners. They will not, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So, that's the same Paul that says you're saved by faith. Who was friends with James? Who said faith without works is dead. It's false faith. If you think it's okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, you do not have faith in Christ. You do not know Christ. You're actually a worker of iniquity. If you will not sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and care about one another with real charity, sacrificial charity, you're not seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If you think it's okay that all these systems from, you know, Oxford, England to uh, the United States, Canada, Australia, all these countries, certainly China. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer with China, no-brainer with the Soviet Union. But evidently, there's not a lot of people with no brains. They think socialism is good, communism is good. You know, when that, he said that he was... a Socialist, he says, so you're a communist? (laughs) I said, no, I'm a socialist. I believe that we should share. That's not what socialism is about. Socialism is about, it's a political system. Capitalism you can share. That, that's what capitalism is, that you have control of what you produce and you get to share. Now in, California, 13%, 13-point-something percent is taken out by state taxes. I don't know how much is taken out by federal taxes. It's graduated tax. It could be 20%, 30%, 40%. And then there's gasoline tax and property tax and and uh, all kinds of other tax. I, I came across the fact that there's a recovery uh, fee, I guess they might call it, where if you buy something, they take out Something that goes to the government. And I says, you mean a tax? And they said, no, we're not allowed to call it a tax. It's, it's a recovery. I said, recovery from what? It's a tax. I mean, you're, it's based on what I just paid you. (laughs) I have to pay you more and it goes to the government. That's a tax. No, no, we're not allowed to call it a tax. (laughs) Just because you want to call it something else. Doesn't make it something else. Just because you want to say you're a Christian, doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you want to say you have faith in Jesus, doesn't make it true. It's only true if you really have real faith in the real Jesus, not the fake Jesus of modern theology. Because the real Jesus said, you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors, but have something to give because they force the contributions of the people. That's the Corbin of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect. That's the Corbin of Rome that brought down Rome with its free bread because its free bread was provided by forced offerings. 
How can you expect to be a free people if you will not extend that freedom to your neighbor? And that's what people do. They don't extend that freedom to their neighbor. They they are impatient. What was it Milton Friedman said? The threat comes from men of good intentions and good will who wish to reform us. Impatient. Impatient with the slowness of persuasion and examples to achieve the great social changes they envision. They're anxious to use the power of the state to achieve their ends. Confident in their ability to do so. Yet, concentrated power is not rendered harmless by the good intentions of those who create it. It's long been known that there are large numbers of people in power People like Bill Gates, who want to decrease the population of the world by 80 to 90 percent. Want nothing more than 500 million people living on the planet. And this may be what they're doing. Now that would be a conspiracy theory, but half of, more than half of history is conspiracies. That weren't just theories but were put into practice by men with good intentions. But they don't actually know what good intentions are. See, a good intention is extending liberty to your neighbor so that you may have liberty. Not coveting your neighbor's goods, not forcing the contributions of your neighbor. If Christ was in you, you would see that without me saying anything. So anyway, in our previous programs, we went through catapulted off into these topics with uh, the original 12 rules of Jordan Peterson. But he's written this new book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. <laughs> so, uh, But it's beyond order. And he has a number of these things. And we, we've talked about some of them. And he was in an interview with Dave Rubin. Who, you know, Dave Rubin says a lot of things. I, I, what I find most fascinating about Dave Rubin is his progression over time. He, he was a dyed-in-the-wool progressive leftist, you know, on the Young Turks. And now he's moved over to another realm of conservatism and kind of a classical libertarian. He's still moving in this process, I'm willing to extend him the time till he moves all away. And the same as I extend the time to Ben Shapiro, sees a lot, but doesn't evidently see the dangers of vaccinations. Uh, you know, Dave Rubin even said he hopes we can get back, and Jordan Peterson said the same thing, gets back to normal if the vaccines work. I saw from the beginning that they wouldn't work. I I saw where to go to find the evidence that they wouldn't work. I put it up on our website under the science so you can you can see what they're actually doing from the scientists that are in their corner. You know, pro vaccine scientists in their corner, Yaden, Suzuki, and their studies and their examinations and their experience. They know. Why do I see this 
and put these things so... Why do I find them so easily out here in the desert? Why do I see these things that I do see? But the big question is, why don't you see? And, okay, you see, you say, I'm not going to take the vaccination. What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do the day after? There's going to be food shortages. I see that coming. You're not, you're, you, you're not let in now if you don't into some stores without a mask. I mean, they came out recently to our county and were citing people again, finding people again, wreaking their terror again, shutting businesses down again. In the middle of summer almost, or coming to summer. There's, there's no cases in our county. Uh, they lie about it occasionally. They've tried to put us under lockdown. And they, they were called out of, on it. My son was just in the state capitol yesterday talking with the governor. He, but, and, you know, and he says, you know, we agree that she's probably not going to listen. She's already got her agenda, her walking papers. She's already received hundreds of thousands of dollars from people like George Soros. And she's not even running from camp, for a campaign. And she's getting campaign money like that because we know where it goes. We we followed the the uh, the money trail, but he wants to be there face to face and make her actually say it out loud. So she's put off the meeting. <laughs> well, they had a meeting, but they, now they're going to have another meeting. Uh, but she didn't want to have it in person. Want to have it by Zoom, but. You know, the fact is you have to challenge evil. But you have to do it according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you know things because I told you, that's not good enough. You have to know it because God is telling you. Writing upon your heart. Writing upon your mind. Showing you the path. Showing you where not to go. Where the quicksand is at. This this is what you have to do in your heart and in your mind. And the only way you will have the tools and the power to do that is if you start obeying what Christ commanded. He didn't command this just because he wants to boss you around. It's a part of the cause and effect of the universe. You organize yourselves. You sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Not with ten saints, nine other saints. I can guarantee that if you sat down with nine saints, there would only be nine saints sitting there if you get the drift. Because we're not saints. We're not walking on water. We have to sit down with others. Ten other people who will want to sit down and seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Not because you're righteous, but because you know you need to seek righteousness. You need to seek His ways. You don't want to get back to normal. You want to get back to righteousness. And the way to do that is to sit down in the tens, connect those tens with hundreds, and connect those hundreds with thousands. Start sacrificing as Christ taught you how to sacrifice. Start loving one another. How did Christ love the church? He sacrificed Himself. Sealed in his blood was the proclamation that Jesus is the king of a kingdom by the Roman Empire. Wrote it down. Sealed it in his blood. 
He appointed his disciples that kingdom on earth. That kingdom goes beyond earth. But on earth, he appointed them that government. The Catholic Church claims to be it. But they exercise authority. They don't always do it directly. They actually, you know, they've actually, I've seen theologians saying that they have, uh, uh, they never killed anybody during the Inquisitions. It was always the government who did it with their trials. Well, the reality, who crowned the government? (laughs) Yeah, you always got to get the rest of the story. But what does the church look like? What are we supposed to be doing? We'll talk when we come back. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So the solution was given to us by Christ. And so when I look at things like the 12 more rules uh, beyond order of Jordan Peterson, uh, I'm only looking at them to compare them to what Christ said and show you what he's missing because he's missing some serious stuff, uh, very serious stuff, and uh, which is partly why he has certain calamities in his own life. But uh, those calamities are not punishments. They're opportunities in order to see what you did not see before. Pain is not a punishment. Pain is a part of the cause and effect. And if you receive that pain properly, which we will go into in when we begin our series on grooming, it actually has a healing effect. In his his book, he he talks about the, he equates this order with the functioning as we expect it, and of course that's what we're just talking about with this idea of you know we're going to have all these giveaway programs, and uh, the government is going to force the contributions of the people with their power, and then they have power over that money. And they can, you know, like they're, they're going to say, sell $19 billion worth of property in California. I, I don't know if it's just California, but it's, it's a lot of it's U.S. postal property. It's probably going to devastate the post office, but they're going to sell this $19 billion worth of property. And of course, they're going to need a real estate agent to do that. <laughs> and of course, they're going to get a commercial property commission, which is often like 10%. And guess who got that contract? Feinstein's husband. <laughs> I think he became a real estate broker just so he'd get that one job. So, you know, follow the money. But he's going to get away with it. The media is not going to hardly report it. And uh, And you wouldn't believe what they've already gotten away with. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it would take up all my time to start listing it off. I mean, I can go way back when, I bet you if one of those properties is a property down near Redding, California, that uh, was stolen from a cripple by a guy connected with a mafia. <laughs> and he used the government to steal it so he could sell the property back to the government and make... What was it? it was ridiculous. It was like almost like four thousand percent profit uh, in a year uh, by you know getting this property 
And uh, he got it because he used government agencies to swarm this guy and destroy this guy and get this guy put in jail and everything. He's a quadriplegic. Put him into jail. He got gangrene in jail because nobody was there to take care of him. I mean, it's just a nightmare. Horrible, horrible thing. Knew these people personally. I knew this was going on. I was trying to stop it. But uh, I won't go into the whole story. Long story. The injustices are rampant in this country while Christians are singing in their churches, believing that Jesus saved them. And then when Paul's talking about we, the faithful, they think that he's talking about them. While they are actually doing what the Pharisees did and Christ called out as works of iniquity. And, and works that were making the word of God to none effect. And you have these theologians that are giving them license to do this. And to continue in their covetous practices. Which Peter says will make them mer- merchandise. Which it has. And curse their children. And that the people would return to the bondage of Egypt. And become entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Which they have. Which is what we see when we looked at those statistics of 13.5% in state income tax alone. You know, you had to pay 20% in Egypt to the government. You got to pay 13 to the state. Another 20 to 40% to the federal government. Plus all the other sales tax, uh, recovery taxes, <laughs> recovery whatevers, and uh, property tax. You're you're worse off than you were before, and you're weak. You cannot even fight against these crazy emotional leftists. And so Jordan Peterson is talking about some of the elements that will help you deal, some of the skills that will help you deal with the chaos. You know, his 12 antidotes for chaos. But now he's talking about after order. And he equates this order as something that you're supposed to be trying to find. Too much order is actually dangerous because it it facilitates degeneration. Remember what Polybius said. You know, they become accustomed to feeding at the expense of others because of their appetite for benefits at the expense of others. And... They degenerate. Well, part of that degeneration comes from the order, from the welfare system. The the fact that you can make bad choices and not suffer the consequences. Which is why this book is about order and consequences. Consequences of the order. I mean, they don't call it New World Order for nothing. So, the first thing I want you to understand is the distance between chaos and order. The difference between chaos and order is not the same as the difference between good and evil. Chaos and order are not synonymous with good and evil. Because there's order everywhere. There's order in chaos. it's, It's like without a vacuum, you cannot have flow. You have to have the vacuum in order to have the flow. And energy must flow or it becomes stagnant. So chaos and order is a part of creation. Good and evil is something else. Now, 
we do equate good and evil with light and darkness. But darkness doesn't exist. Chaos exists. <laughs> Chaos is randomness. But out of randomness comes order. It's built into the system. And it becomes, you get order as that flow continues in the chaos. It organizes a flow. Okay, so anyway, the point is chaos and order are not the same as light and darkness. Light is a positive force. Darkness is the absence of it. Light will flow into darkness and good will flow into evil. Evil does not flow into good. The reason the left is winning so much power in the world today is because the right is not as good as they would like to believe. And one of the chief culprits in the deception of the right is the evangelical Christian who says he believes but does not really believe in the real Christ. And there are consequences for that. That appetite for benefits, yeah, his appetite for benefits is not as great as the appetite we see amongst the left, but it's still appetite for benefits. Social welfare, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, free education, free public school, free, maybe he doesn't want free college, but he still wants that free public school. You have to repent from those ideas of wanting those benefits at the expense of your neighbor or you will not succeed. You will fall prey to the extreme left. They will have power over you because you do not have the power of God in your corner. You may say you're a Christian, but you are not. Anything less than truth is a lie. It's a shadow on your heart. And will create that cause and effect that will come upon you. And you will not have the power to stop evil. You have to put on the full armor of God. So yeah, you have to, you will eventually have to walk, it will go away anyway. You'll have to walk away from Social Security eventually. But Christ didn't start with that. When they got the baptism, of John the Baptist they had a choice to pursue this other religion this religion this way of taking care of the needy of your society through charity alone but when they got the baptism of Jesus Christ they were cast out because the system was already suffering from bankruptcy so if you want to get baptized with water, you're just going to be wet. If you want to get baptized with Christ, you're going to experience the fire and the Holy Spirit. And the fire of the Holy Spirit, that's actually what he's talking about, is the fire of the Holy Spirit, the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. And you will need that in the days to come. Darkness does not affect the light. You may need more light to fill the darkness but you do not generate the light God generates the light so if you want the light of God in you so that it dwells in you that it shines in you you have to do what Christ said sit down in the tens hundreds and thousands and start caring about one another as much as you care about yourself there should be a rush to sit down in such a network we're the only ones that are really setting it up 
they, there's semblances of it. You'll find it amongst the Amish. You'll find it amongst other groups. But I, I'm not. I'm not doing those. I'm doing this. <laughs> so this is where I'm at. Hopefully, there are other people doing the same thing, and that there actually is. There's uh, the Greater Reset people. I don't know what their website is, but they're starting to see this, and they're they're trying to create cell groups. And they've they got a lot of the pieces of the puzzle. But they may be missing pieces of the puzzle. They maybe just haven't quite got to that point yet. Just like I was talking about all these other people like Dave Rubin and Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson. They've they see many things. They have some kingdom tracks in their life. I, I find a lot of kingdom tracks amongst homeschoolers, but they they don't always get the media. Uh, headlights. So yeah, amongst the media, those guys are doing pretty good. But, uh, you know, John the Baptist was counted as the least of them in the kingdom of God. <laughs> and John the Baptist was doing pretty good. He had some of the basics down. The primary uh, institutions of God's kingdom. He was uncovering and revealing and preaching them. And it cost him his head. But the reality is, is eventually all these people who are getting pieces of the puzzle are going to have to come to a greater and greater re- realization of the truth. They have to start seeing the whole truth and becoming a part of it. Investing in it by investing in one another. Not investing in me. Not investing in some you know, giant church institution. But investing in one another. And this is why we create the network based on local, you know, we've had this conversation going on in Canada. We're talking a couple dozen people in Canada that are on our network. That's not very many for Canada. You're going to be pretty spread out. They want to know, well, where's the little local group I can get in? Well, join the bigger group and the bigger group and and become a part of that until... Right now, we got all of Canada in one group. All the people in Canada in one group. As they increase those numbers by finding out what they've been missing, which is what they should be asking everybody on the Canada group, what have we been missing? I understand that I have to love my neighbor. What am I missing? And then eventually we will have a Alberta group and an Ontario group. <laughs> And eventually, maybe we will have a Quebec group and a and maybe Edmond group and Saskatchewan group and and all the different uh, provinces. But then maybe different towns will have their own group. Once you get a hundred or two hundred people on a group, they should be developing their own groups. But by then, then you will have people on your street and in your town and a few blocks away. And then, but, you know, at the rate things are going, time is, the clock is ticking. And so, probably in the afternoon show, we'll go through the individual items that he has listed. And, and I put in all kinds of biblical quotes and and uh, connect to what he's been saying as these 12 rules to deal with after order. Because the really reality is there is never just order 
there is always chaos and order. Because like I said, without the vacuum, there can be no flow. Without the absence, there can be no fulfillment. And of course, this is part of the original command of God to be fruitful and multiply. Because then there's a flow of humanity. And we may have to receive that command again after the tribulations that are coming because a lot of us may be gone. So, anyway, join the network at hisholychurch.org or preparingyou.com. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And for those people like on the Canada group, there's just one guy. He's, he's only heard two of our audios and he's jumped on the group. And he's he's putting up people that are, uh, you know, I went to some of the videos that he's putting up. You're not supposed to be doing that, promoting other groups and stuff like that. But we allow for conversation. But the purpose of these network groups is to get you in contact so you can actually have conversations on the ground. Once you form a congregation of record, then all those people should be on their own group talking amongst each other. And then the minister they pick is put on to a group of ministers and they talk amongst each other. And that way you don't end up with a thousand emails popping through, comment after comment after comment. (laughs) But you have this network of communication and it's not just so that you will have somebody to talk to because you're lonely in Alberta, but it's so that you can start helping one another because that's the part of the seeking of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's one of the things to go full circle now and to go back to Mr. Nicholas Thomas Wright is that he was saying that's what the early church was concerned with and that's what we see in the epistles. How did Paul know where to go in Corinth? How did he know where to go in Galatia? How did he meet up with all the Christians in those cities and towns and and uh, locations because they were organized in this network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. And why was he going there? Just to preach? No, he was taking supplies with Barnabas and with others because there was these dearths, real famines going across the land. And you see him doing that. And he's taking up collections. Did he take up those collections and put them back in a big vault somewhere or build a stone temple lined with gold like we saw in Jerusalem? That was still sitting in Jerusalem when he was going around. And the apostles were working daily in the temple. Why weren't they taking that gold and melting it down to help out those people? I wouldn't be surprised that they didn't do some of that. But they did not remove all the Pharisees from the temple that thousands of people still wanted to go with the Pharisees thousands of the people wanted to go with the Christians so there were Pharisees still controlling certain chambers of of revenue and chests of gold and silver in those temples the Christians didn't go in and pilfer the temple but those people who went to the temple who were Christians went to the apostles they didn't go to the Sanhedrin of the Pharisees, they went to the Sanhedrin of Jesus Christ, the 70 of Jesus Christ. And they did not exercise authority. So soon they, there was no need to meet in the temple. So then uh, 
you know, eventually they were, you know, obviously we know James was still in the temple until just before the fall of Jerusalem when they threw him off the roof or from the wall because they wanted to go back to their system of social welfare through force. And Christianity was social welfare through love. They're going to produce a different result. It's the only way. Until you do that, you will not have put on the full armor of God. You will not have the full divine protection of God. What Christ did with the crucifixion is he made it possible that you could in reality create a network of love. A national, international network of love and charity to take care of the needs of your society as Rome collapsed. As there was runaway inflation. That's what happened in Rome. They took all the silver out of the silver denarii. Under Nero, they took half uh, of it out. Under uh, uh, Mark Antony and Cleopatra, they took out 10% of the silver in the silver denarii. But under Nero, he took out half. And eventually, they took out all. And a modius of wheat, a little sack of wheat, went from, what was it, six denarii at the time of Christ to over a 100,000 denarii. Because the denarii wasn't silver anymore. You're already there. Now you're going to see that inflation because they just put you trillions of dollars in debt. They didn't do it because there was COVID. They did it was because there was a shutdown and because they... They were suckering you into putting on the armor of Satan to take the stimulus check, to take the benefit. They've, they're strangling your neighbor and you're doing nothing because you want to get back to normal. You don't want to get back to righteousness. They destroyed your neighbor's business and you did nothing. They make you wear masks. They will make you inject your children and you do nothing. Because you want to get back to normal. You don't want to get back to righteousness. If you want to get back to righteousness, you better sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start caring about others instead of just yourself. Because otherwise, God will not be in your midst. He will not be in, in your hearts and in your minds. And you will not have His eyes to see what is going to come next for you. Where you need to be, where you need to go. This is the mystical part of it. If you repent, think differently. See, that's the thing is, N.T. Wright still thinks it's okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. He, I don't hear him saying anything about that. I could be wrong. Maybe I just haven't come across it. He says a lot. But I don't see him saying that. I don't see these other guys that or the 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 fellow from Canada was sharing the videos who they were bad mouthing the Catholic Church and everything and there's certainly a lot of bad things you can say about the Catholic Church and we can say a lot of things bad about the Anglicans and and a lot of other churches as well but what 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 was Christ saying for us to do what is the right thing I don't hear them saying what Christ said for us to do that's a serious problem with that Christianity. I don't I don't want to promote that Christianity. I don't want to condemn it. It condemns itself. 
Because it makes the word of God to none effect. Because that's their Corbin. Their Corbin is these systems of social welfare. Now, there's a lot of other things. But idolatry, that's believing the news. Idolatry, that is believing the politicians. Idolatry, that is wanting to get Trump back because you think Trump is your salvation. That's idolatry. You're putting your faith in men, in institutions of men. The church is not really an institution of men. It's an institution of Christ, the real church. But the real church is not exercising authority. It's not a central power. It's it's a government of service. There are no offices of power in the church. There's only offices of service. And he who is highest, considered highest in your church, should be the one who does the most serving. But he's higher not so he can exercise authority over you. He's higher because he won't exercise authority over you. I and my family will not rule over you, says Gideon. That is the theme of the gospel of the kingdom of God. But we're out of time today. So until then, peace on your house. and May God be with you. Join us on the network, preparingyou.com, hisholychurch.org. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.